0: Well, Good morning, everyone. Here we go. We're wired for sound. Great. Well, a great warm welcome to those that, that are passing through on holidays and joining us here this morning. You're very welcome and glad you could be a part of us this morning. And um, if we could just, uh, if you want to start heading towards 1 Corinthians 14 is where we're going to live today. Um, but last week, we, we looked at the story of Jacob. And even before he was born, God spoke about his destiny, that he would be a nation. And his older brother would serve him. And yet he struggled with a view of himself of being second best. And that's kind of what we covered last week. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, I just want to encourage you to pick up the podcast, or you can pick it up on iTunes and and, uh, just follow that through. But just uh, springboarding off of that, that throughout Jacob's life, in the most challenging moments... God spoke to Jacob words of encouragement and blessing. And when Jacob prayed, he reminded God of what he had said to him when his circumstances didn't line up with what God promised. And just as in Jacob's life, hearing and knowing God's heart and perspective on our lives is an important foundation of our Christian faith as a church and as individuals. And it's this perspective that Paul had in writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, I've got some of the scripture references up on the screen here if you, if you want to just follow along with me as well. But he says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy I grew up in a church where being prophetic was a natural part of everyday church life. Not just a gift of a few special individuals. During the ministry times at the end of the service, if, if we saw one of our friends or someone that we had a real heart for up needing some prayer, we'd all gather up and gather around them and just really ask God for something to encourage and bless them in their current situation. Or in our small group gatherings, or praying for someone, or simply Over a cup of coffee. We were naturally a prophetic people. Someone said it's being supernaturally natural. And in our language as Christians. We use the term prophecy. And being prophetic. To describe the truth that we believe. That God is alive today. and, And wants to speak to our hearts. Out of a relationship with him. Jesus said in John. My sheep. Hear my voice. So, as sheep, Jesus being the shepherd, that my sheep hear my voice. It's part of our inheritance as believers. And today we're going to look at this passage here in 1 Corinthians 14. It's kind of like Paul is the coach and he's wanting to stir up the team, but he's also wanting to bring some adjustment to their game. Like Paul, I have a real passion for us to be a community of people who hear God for ourselves, and to encourage one another. And that this to be a real active expression of our church life. I believe God's calling us to be a people who eagerly and actively hear God for ourselves and for others. Maybe you're a new Christian here this morning, or or new to church. And you may have heard some of these things, even some of the, the, the words that were shared this morning or even heard of tongues and interpretation, other spiritual gifts, and you're not fully understood what they are. Or you're a guest here, or you're on a journey to understand what it means to be a Christian. And hopefully this will help you to understand more about our relationship with God. And maybe understand some of the dynamic of our church gatherings together. If you come from a different church or and that had a different culture on understanding regarding spiritual gifts and prophecy. I just hope to bring some things to encourage and sort of help us in understanding these things from the Bible. Maybe you've been part of this church for a number of years, and know about prophecy, and you see it as an expression of a few gifted individuals, and not yourself. I believe God wants to encourage us all in this this morning, that what His heart is for us. Perhaps you're someone who is or has been active in hearing God and sharing what you hear and just need a fresh encouragement and some practical help on how to handle and when we sense something from God. But maybe you're passionate about seeing real Christianity worked out in, in, the, in our workplace or out in the community. Does God want to speak to us in our everyday lives outside of these four walls? you also may have questioned, like myself, is how are we to be prophetic in a large gathering like this? Maybe you've had something stirring in your heart on on a particular Sunday, but apprehensive to have to make that long walk and share it down at the front. Imagine if we had a dozen of us, or even 20, or even more, that God stirred something in our hearts. How does that work, even with with the aspect of time, let alone probably the majority of them wouldn't even consider coming down here to share what, what, God, what God had said to them. Is God trying to frustrate us by stirring our hearts with something that there doesn't seem to be enough space for us for it to be heard? We could spend the time on a Sunday morning just listening to all the things that God says, and sometimes there's a place for that. But we know this, that's just one component of our gatherings together, albeit a valuable one. Is the only expression of prophecy the microphone at the front? So my encouragement this morning in my title of my message is, Be eager to prophesy, no microphone required. And how can we grow as a church in our depth and expression of what we hear so that it's not just a quick five-minute thought on Sunday morning? but something with greater weight and substance that has a real impact on us as a church and as individuals. We are definitely not alone in these questions and definitely have not, are not the only ones that experience these sort of things about how we share in our gatherings. I, just, I have a short clip to share of a very, very dear friend of mine. He's a, he's a brother from another mother, as they say. Um, we, we were in youth group together, and we grew up together, and we ministered together, and he's a very dear friend of mine, and um, it's Jeremy Hazel, who some of you may have heard of Keith Hazel, uh, but Jeremy is just, uh, just shared some thoughts about what I want to share today, and I just wanted, I wanted to introduce him to you, because I know he's going to be a part of us in the days ahead, but I just wanted a chance for him to sound in on what I wanted to share this morning, so roll the
1: tape grew up in a family where we kind of had a prophetic environment. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard uh, when your dad is a, a well-known prophet not to grow up in that environment. And it wasn't though we were prophesying over each other all the time and stuff like that, but there was something about the spiritual gifts that was normal, natural, and it was just the way that we kind of carried on life together as a family. And, and there were things that I even remember, my earliest remembrances are things like standing beside my dad as he ministered to people in the front of the church. Sometimes to see them filled with the Holy Spirit sometimes uh, when uh, they were being prayed for for healing sometimes when they were uh, being ministered to prophetically and I also remember standing beside my dad as he prophesied out in the congregation uh, in church on Sundays and, and thinking it was kind of a cool thing that, that he was able to do that kind of thing with it and uh, when I grew up it was sort of in the middle of the end of the 1960s early 1970s right in the middle of, of what we called the charismatic movement at the time and and it was really the kind of wild west of Charismania. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff that was happening. And there was a lot of really good things that happened that impacted my life and uh, maybe the person who I am today. But there was also some of the things that were kind of a little bit weird and strange. And sometimes uh, you would look at, back at it now and say, wow, I don't even know how that stuff actually went on. And I'm sure that some of you may have experienced some of those things uh, yourselves. Like we had people who'd get up and dance in the middle of the church. We had a guy who would play over top of the piano just hovering his fingers without touching the keys because he was playing in the spirit. We'd have people who would stand up in the middle of a sermon and begin to give a prophetic message. We would have uh, other people uh, and other times where it felt like there was just contribution after contribution after contribution after contribution after contribution. And, And really, a lot of them were either not making sense or, they were contributions that maybe one or two people could have contributed uh, to the meeting, and we could have gone on and, and seen how we could either apply that, or uh, to move on to the next aspect of our time together. Now, one of the things that's really nice is that we weren't the first people to actually have to deal with this particular issue. You see, if you look back in the book of Corinthians, the main, one of the main reasons it was written is because they were having some troubles in the church. And when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, he actually Devoted a whole section of this letter from chapters 12 to 14 uh, to actually dealing with how spiritual gifts work in the church and, and how people are to bring contributions. And people would get up and say, I'm going to speak in a tongue of angels that God has given me. And they'd begin to speak in their unknown language. And someone would get up and say, I've got a better one than that. And there'd be almost a competition that was going on. And then somebody would get up and interrupt them and try to uh, bring a prophetic word. And it it was just pandemonium. And Paul says, we need to bring some order into this here. Uh, but you need to not just stand up just for recognition, because it's got nothing to do with recognition, right? It's got everything to do with loving the church and bringing something that is useful in a responsible way to the church. Now, of- Thank you, Jeremy.
0: So Paul's intention was to shape the culture regarding spiritual gifts. Instead of shutting it down. Because he saw the value prophecy and spiritual gifts had to the church. Now it's important that we clarify that the context of this chapter was to the the church in Corinth. That regarding spiritual gifts. That they were in a bit of a chaos and a a bit of disorder regarding spiritual gifts. That we heard what Jeremy was sharing. And I'm not suggesting that that implies to us. But the principles of what he is saying we can learn from. Paul could have just said, all right, everyone, out of the pool, that's enough, we're shutting it down. But instead, he felt it better to help them to learn how to swim better. Paul believed that the work of the Holy Spirit is a gem in the crown of the church that needed polishing and not plucking out. So, in 1 Corinthians 12-14... to Paul is giving some instruction to shape the culture of the Corinth Church, in the area of spiritual gifts. So if you want to just turn back with me just briefly to 1 Corinthians 12 verse one, it says there, 1 Corinthians 12 verse one, "Now concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I do not want you to be uninformed." He says it's important that you not regard that you're not ignorant of these things. Now, the interesting thing here is that the word gifts is not in the original language of the text. He's not just talking about spiritual gifts specifically. It's actually reading, now concerning spiritual, it's concerning being a spiritual person that I don't want you to be uninformed. God created us as spiritual beings living in flesh and body. We're created in the image of God to relate and communicate with God. We're wired for sound. When our span of years on this earth ends and we die, we will instantly be in either heaven with God or in hell separated from God. That's why that great John 3.16 banner that shows up in American football games says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Paul is saying that we mustn't be ignorant of spiritual matters. Jesus came, he died on the cross, and rose again, that we would believe in him and have eternal life in God. But then he goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, and he says in verse 4, Now there's a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there's a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but the same God. Who empowers them all in everyone. Is everyone here this morning? Empowers them all. All those gifts, which is just a small catalog of, of the various gifts of the Spirit. But he empowers them all in everyone. And then it says in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Well, what does that mean? Let me just have a look here. Oops, here's a soda pop. Here's a, here's a, can, a, a fizzy drink here, okay? <laughs> Translation right before you there. That was tongues and interpretation. <laughs> this is a tin can. Consider us to be like a vessel, a tin can. And within it is the Spirit bubbling. But when the Holy Spirit... Stirs our hearts. And then we open our mouth, out comes manifestation. So he lists some of the gifts of the Spirit. He says, For, each, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another, to another, to another, The utterance of knowledge. I'll come back to that. (laughs) It's actually passion fruit. (laughs) Sparkling fruit of the Spirit. Spiritual passion stirred up. To another, the works of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are empowered. Remember, we read in verse 6, God who empowers them all in everyone. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. He was also making a statement that there's only one God, there's only one Holy Spirit, there's only one Christ. In the Greek culture, they had many, many different gods. There was a God that healed. There was a God that was joyful. There was a God that was sad. There was all these variety of gods. But he's saying there's one God, one spirit, and that spirit there's, has gifts that he empowers to us. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who import, apportions them. He hands them out to each one. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, that's you? Turn to the other neighbor and say, that's definitely you. (laughs) To each one, he apportions individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit empowers each of us with spiritual gifts as is needed for the common good, for the good of those around us, and for our own good. So being a Spirit-filled believer, the Holy Spirit can manifest the gifts of the Spirit When needed for the common good. That's why we we can step out and pray for someone for healing. We don't have to go look for the one with the healing gift. It's part of the Holy Spirit stirring within us. We can have a real strong faith for a situation facing us. We can share something that's of real wisdom. Or something that only God would know. And we'd say, where did that come from? The manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul speaks of the gifts of the Spirit. And in chapter 14, he's going to talk about how they're expressed in the church gathering. And right smack in the middle of that sandwich is a chapter on love. 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if, I have, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I have nothing. And we know the classic references here. Just to be clear, he describes love. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, we see that he actually links these two things together. Pursue love, chapter 13. And eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. You know, as a kid, you earnestly desired a particular toy for Christmas. In in Canada, we had the Simpson Sears Christmas catalog. And it had this huge toy section. And you'd look through it and you'd go, Man, I really want a G.I. Joe with realistic sound Jeep. (laughs) And in your conversations, when you're talking with your dad, you're asking about it, Did you see the G.I. Joe in the catalog, Dad? Did you see the realistic sound jeep? You might be trying to keep really calm in your conversation, but inside you're earnestly desiring that thing. And and on the day before Christmas, you're scoping under the tree looking for that, hoping you've got your G.I. Joe with realistic sound jeep. And in the shops, there's that little cherub just crying at the top of their lungs, I want a toy! And as parents, you wish you had some spiritual gift to disappear or the floor to open and swallow you up. They were earnestly desiring. It's an eager action. Pursue love and earnestly desire. For a child, you'd expect them to really want something or really let you know they do. But as an adult, we feel earnestly desiring is a bit presumptuous. Being maybe being a bit greedy. It's very countercultural in our society, but the Bible is using some very clear language. And the challenge we need to ask ourselves is: What are we going to do about it? There's no asterisk next to the earnestly desire with the small print does not apply to those in Waveney Suffolk in any part of the United Kingdom. There's no disclaimer there. The word says earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So what is prophecy, and why is it especially important to Paul? We even had that demonstrated this morning, where prophecy is God speaking to our hearts, which is a spontaneous thought or impression. Mike asked us, just say, what comes to your heart as soon as you think of one thing to ask God for? And he said, whatever that one thought is. We could say, well, that's just us. But God speaks in a spontaneous thought to our hearts. We may be praying and talking to God or in the midst of worship or standing in the shower or ironing or driving in the car and you have a random thought, pray for Joe. Or a phrase from the Bible, my grace is sufficient for you. You may be in an important discussion at work that requires a desperate answer and you're quietly whispering under your, under your breath, God, I need your help. We need an answer. Please help. In a moment, you have a random idea that just works in that situation. You've lost your keys, and you're in a panic. God, where are my keys? And then you have a quick picture in your mind of the cushion of your chair. And you go and have a look, and there they are. God's bailed me out a number of those times on that. But then a group of you are praying for someone, who's upset and troubled. And as soon as you close your eyes to pray, the phrase, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, a verse of the Bible comes to mind. You simply start to share that verse and tears come to the person's eye. They have a smile on their face and they tell you that that was the exact verse that they read that morning in their quiet time. And God was just confirming to them, That he was in their situation. That's why we love to to teach on how to hear and how to recognize God's voice. And so in the the coming months, we're going to have another sort of uh, course. It's about three weeks on just learning to hear and recognize the voice of God. But one of the things that we wanted to do this this morning was we, we said that prophecy builds up and encourages we want to just take a moment and demonstrate that and just to be a blessing for us as a church this morning. So I just want to call those up that that want to help me with this that have asked to to come and help here. But I just want to take a moment and just encourage and bless some people. Do you have a, a microphone there, Mike? A mic for Mike? Not on. you have another mic there?
2: picture but i don't know if you shop at tesco but he showed me a picture of the tesco finest range and he he told me that that's how he sees us he sees us as perfect he's pleased with us, sees us as his finest range and in your walk with him you you learn to see his father's heart and to believe that that but um sometimes as we go into situations that he takes us in if you like, as the wrappers peeled off and the contents are, are there, and for us, we're more vulnerable, we can move away sometimes from how he sees us, how we think about ourselves. And I really feel he wants to say to you today that more and more is going to cause you to actually believe not only that he sees you as his finest, but you're going to understand that, stand on that truth as well. And I believe the fruit of that is going to be authority in what you say and what you bring to people. So I just really wants to encourage you today that not only does he see you as that, the help his spirit. He's going to cause you to see that and be able to stand on his truth and that
0: authority as well. Okay. James, I just felt... Just wave your hand there if you want i see. I just felt like God wanted to encourage you that he knows your heart. That there's a real depth of the desire to serve God, to know his word. And I believe God just wants to encourage you that he knows your heart. And I just see there being a real depth of strength of the Lord. And I just... I actually believe that God's going to use that depth to draw out some encouragement to some people around in your workplace. I believe just even relationally, just encouraging, just with some things of how God has helped you, how God has been a friend to you, how God's encouraged you. And not in language that people aren't going to understand, but just in a language that's going to encourage them. And I just feel God just wants to encourage you, that He knows your heart and some of the questions that you have about Him, about what He has for you. I believe just going to walk out in your everyday life just ways to be a blessing to people. And I just see God bringing scriptures up that you've, you've faithfully put into your hearts in days before.
3: Um, mine's not for a specific person, but um, I went to Africa Alive, which is a local zoo the other day with my children. And um, if you haven't been to Africa Alive, they do a stamp challenge, so you have to go around and get stamps, um, which Elijah always really wants to do when we go. Um, but he actually doesn't really like the process. As we're going around, he moans and he whines. And then when he gets his medal at the end, which we always get, he doesn't want to wear it. And then he dumps it in a box when we get home. He never looks at it again. And I just, this week, I just was putting his, trying to put his medal on that he didn't want on. Um, And it was purple, um, which just always, for some reason, just reminds me of God and royalty. And and just finally, God speaks to me about this whole situation. So I've written it down because I thought I'd forget it. Um, And I've just put that basically... There are people, I think, here that it's like you've been in situations and circumstances in your life that have been really tough um, to the point that you've wanted to give up on God. But you've clung on, and he's seen you through. He's not let you go. And you've come through the other side. But it's like you've received a medal almost. It's like you've received a trophy of grace in that situation. Um, And in quite a few situations in your life. But instead of displaying your trophies in a cabinet for everyone to see, you've because of shame and embarrassment because of the situations that you've been in it's like you've hidden them away and you've put them in a box for nobody to see um, but I just felt that God wants to say to you that it's time to get your trophy out of the box and that God wants to use those situations and circumstances and things that you've been through to minister to other people
0: hi
4: there um, the gentleman in the black t-shirt who's looking at me hello sir Just behind. Hello. You're right. Sorry to pick you out. I do apologize. Um, (laughs) As we're in worship, I just saw you um, just standing there. And uh, God just said to me that he's going to give you a gift of leadership. And uh, I don't know whether that means whether that's in the secular world or whether that's in church. But I felt that he was going to give you that gift to be such a strong sphere of influence within that position. And God was going to use that position to bring his father heart to people through you as you lead in that position and not and also God said to me like oh man if you say that to him he's really going to worry so uh, God also said to me like don't worry like God also said to me like just to reassure you that that's not going to be something that feels unnatural to you but God's going to give you the, the strength and the ability to do that because that's what he has planned for you to do so when God plans for you to do something he doesn't make it all scary and and weird sometimes it can be But he always gives you the tools to do the job. And that's what God's going to do. So, my friend, God's got some big things for you. So, yeah, be encouraged. And I'd love to pray with you at the end if that's okay with you.
0: Brilliant. Very good. Martin, I I believe that, that God is going to enlarge your capacity in these days ahead. I believe that there has been some limitations on you. Um, from the past, that, that of how people have, have seen how you function and how you are, that God's removing some limitations from you. I believe, even particularly in the workplace, God is going to cause there, I believe there's a, a bigger contracts, there's bigger things, bigger expansion in those things, and to see um, even how spiritual gifts in the workplace. Um, come about and I just believe God's just going to kind of take the lid off of some things that in your heart and and just in your expression of how you function God's just going to cause even just greater fruitfulness in the days ahead one more for Jackie um
5: mine's not for anybody specific either so if anybody wants it grab it um I just felt the Lord say this when I was praying about um two words he gave me was um remember when and uh, i just feel that he is just wants to encourage us all in that um getting closer to him and to um getting closer to him in intimacy with him um it was like remembering when um you'd look back with your partner or with your family at old photographs and you'd um look through and remember when and remember the times that you'd had and Remember um, where you'd been and what you'd done. And I just feel that God is really encouraging us to look back and to remember all the things where he's um, been there and what he's done in our lives and as a church. And um, and I just really felt like um, where David would um, would put God in his memory when he would meditate upon that. And um, he said that the Spirit made, his Spirit made a diligent search. And I just feel that God would encourage us to just ask Holy Spirit to um, speak and to, in, to do a search within us and to bring these things into our remembrance. And um, it's good to um, forget some things and it's some good to remember things. And I think that that's what God wants good. to do.
0: You take that. Go ahead. Take the microphone. That's fine. Thank you. So we just wanted to take a moment just to highlight some encouragement. And this is why Paul felt that prophecy was so important. He said, especially to prophecy, he gives sort of a few things here in what he talks about is why it's important. He says, because one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages others, and comforts others. And, and I hope for those that, that God's encouraged this morning that there was some strength that you gained, some encouragement that you gained, and some comfort that you gained from some of those words. And the important thing to know is that all the words must fit into that framework it, for it to be from, from the Holy Spirit. Secondly. He says that it builds up the church. Seven times in this chapter. He uses the phrase. Builds up. And and it's, it's where it helps people to find their place. To find their role. To find their lane. He says one who prophesies. Builds up the church. And he says strive to excel. In building up the church. There's some strong action words there. Talks about keeping us alert in the battle. It helps us to have a, a God perspective of our situations. And then he says that true prophecy has a clear message. He talks about a distinct note, a clear sound. And one of the things, he just, uh, just briefly for the sake of time, he makes a contrast here in, cha- in chapter 14 about tongues and interpretation, where in a Sunday morning, well, in the midst of our worship, someone might feel uh, their prayer language, their tongue, um, just feel a, a tongue to, to express to God in the midst of worship. So they might just begin to express it out and in, in, in itself, Paul is saying it has no meaning. It's just cha da da and you go, okay. But then at the same time, while that tongue is being expressed, that someone feels a prayer stirring up in their hearts. And then all of a sudden, there's that interpretation afterwards. It's, it's a prayer to God. It's thankfulness to God. And the point he's making, he says this. He says that one who speaks in tongues speaks not from men, but to God. And he says, now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, if will I benefit you unless I have some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? And so what he's saying is that, that when we have a tongue and interpretation, that is from man to God. And so when we're interpreting and when somebody is uh, responding to that tongue that's shared, sometimes people will give something that they feel God is saying, which is the direction from God to man. And that's where there can be a little bit of confusion. It says here in the Bible that a tongue is from man to God, so the interpretation of that will be the same. It, and he says, I will, I will sing praise with my with my spirit I will pray in a tongue and I will give thanks in a tongue and but then he says in verse three and the one on the other hand the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening encouraging and comfort and you may be by this point thinking all right Mike I'm not prophetic I'm more of a people person. I'm more of a people helper. I'm I'm more of a person of the word. I'm I'm a teacher. I'm I'm more interested in sharing my faith. And I just want to just finish up this morning by just encouraging us to say that that it talks about here, Ephesians 4 describes that there is the, that Christ gives us the gift of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And those are to equip the church. So these these gifts are, to the church are individuals that, that equip the church for works of service and to build it up. And so if there is an evangelist, his job is not to get everybody saved, but to equip people into evangelism. So all that to say is the fact that in each of us as a body, there's flavors of those giftings in our lives. So for instance, if you have an apostolic flavor in your, in your gifting or in your in your Passion or desire is that there's you're a builder, you're a pioneer. You might be a strategist or a dreamer or an implementer. If you're evangelistic, you might enjoy sharing your faith, hanging out with non-believers, a passion for the lost. If you're pastoral or, or pastor, that you're you love helping people, you're you're a listener, you're, you you love counsel and support. Or if you if you have a natural teaching flavor. You like to take concepts that are quite complicated and make them more simple. And to be able to just instruct and see people learn. And the point that I want to make in this is the fact that in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, he actually highlights each of these areas in the prophetic, it's to have a prophetic expression in each of those. Let, let me demonstrate. He says that one who prophesies in verse 3 speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort for their consolation. So when we're meeting up together with someone and we're helping them, we're consoling them, we're encouraged to prophesy God's heart for them. God's, what's your heart in this situation? There's a pastoral expression of the prophetic. He then goes on a number of times and talks about building up the church, strive to excel to build up the church, others who hear being built up, Let all things be done for building up. And if if you're the type of person that likes to start new projects and break new ground, be eager to know and speak God's creative thoughts when you're creating and building. There was a guy who had a dream, he kept having dreams of new chemical formulas. He was a chemist, which is good that he had that. A dream of new chemical formulas, and he would wake up and create them in his lab. This is an apostolic expression in a broader sense. In church, he says in verse 19, I'd rather you speak, rather speak five words with my mouth in order to instruct others. When we're teaching and bringing biblical instruction to our kids, our youth, our adults, God wants us to pursue a prophetic edge to what we're speaking. That's a teaching expression. And then there's a great verse in verse 24. If all are prophesying and there's an unbeliever or outsider enters... He's convicted by all. He's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he'll worship God and declare that God is really among you. When we share with unbelievers and have conversation, God wants to break in with our words and share his heart. It's listening to them and listening to God at the same time. That's what I love about, about Ruth, my, my, my wife there. She, she's at, at the college when she's meeting up with people and just having conversation. She's conversation. Uh, there was one lady that she had a conversation in, in the cafeteria in the in the cafe. And, and she began talking. This person just started pouring out their heart and just all the things they were going through. And so Ruth's listening to this person. And at the same time, she's saying, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? So she's listening while this person's talking. And God just simply said to her, you're helping her by listening. But she checked in and asked God what his heart was for that situation. That's an evangelistic expression of the prophetic. And the encouragement here is that whatever your passion and gifting, be prophetic and be eager to be an encouragement. And finally then, he talks about what then, brothers, when you come together, verse 26, Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. And that speaks of our motive. Not to feel we need to be sharing something because people will be expecting us to. But to have a heart, God, I'm open for you to speak to me that I may be a blessing that I can build up and encourage others. So he actually kind of goes through and he says... Be eager to prophesy, but then he goes on and says, but let there be only two or three tongues and two or three uh, prophecies. We obviously know in this situation that there was a lot of chaos and there was stuff happening all over the place, so he was trying to bring some order. But it sort of seems as though that at the same time he's encouraging us to be prophetic, he's also saying that there needs to be some kind of order. And so one of the things that just wanted to encourage us is the fact that as leaders... From this, we can sort of see in our gatherings that it seems as though that God gives us both a gas pedal and a brake. That if we have all gas and no brakes, and everything's just all over the place, but if we have all brakes and no gas, then we don't get anywhere. And so as as leaders and as a church, we want to see the gifts of the Spirit expressed in our gatherings. And we want to see the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. But we also want it to be in a place where we can be worshiping God as well as encouraging one another. And I kind of see it like air, you know, the the time, you know where you have, there's moments where your hands are lifted and you just feel that you are just worshiping God and then something is shared and we kind of go from this to kind of like this. And it just seems as though that it kind of cut into what was happening at that moment. And we want, I kind of see it kind of like an air traffic controller, that there's runway space for things to take off. And there's space for things to land. And when well, the lovely thing this morning, when we were worshiping and there was just people sharing out worship and songs and thanks, that we were joining together in that. But as a large gathering together, that when we have something that we feel is something we want to share, that God's speaking to us, we encourage people to, to kind of put it on the radar of the host at the front. And that way then we can f- see, most times it's, there's a place for it to be expressed. But there's this encouragement to be prophetic, to eagerly desire, but also for things to be in order, to have a clear communication. And the important thing is that we must have the right expectations. We, can sometimes, we consider a prophetic word sometimes to be like a wonka bar, you know, where you go, this could be the golden ticket. And we feel like it needs to be shared right now. But he, he gives clear instruction to say in verse 32 that the spirit of prophets are subject To the the prophets. Another way to say that. It says, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. Working with people and helping them to grow in what God's speaking to their hearts. The main thing to realize is that we don't always have to share right away something that God puts in our heart. That actually by talking together and working together on it. You actually see that there might be a greater depth to what God wants to say than just what we have at that moment. And so we had, a, we had a group of us together that were kind of talking about this. And there was an honest discussion to say that, you know, sometimes there's times when I feel like there's something stirring in my heart, but I daren't go down to the front to have to share it. And what if as a church we took Paul at his word and earnestly desired spiritual gifts... But what if we truly believe that being prophetic doesn't have to be from the front, but being prophetic when we're meeting together with other people, talking and praying together in a life group, sitting in a business meeting or your living room with a friend who's struggling. What, if, what would that do for our confidence if we realize that we don't have to worry about having to say something publicly, but to start sharing one with another what God has said to us? What if it became a regular occurrence that we eagerly desire for God to use us prophetically in all kinds of places in front of many different faces? So this chapter is a real call to action. There's lots of action words here. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I want you all to speak in tongues and even more to prophesy. Strive to excel in building up the church. So lastly, what, how does that apply to us? Three things I just want to encourage us and leave us with this morning. First of all, earnestly desire to be used by God to share our words of encouragement one to another. Secondly, speak. The word is used 11 times in this chapter. Open our mouth like that tin can is that when you shake it, you can shake that pop all you want. But until that can is open. There's nothing going to come out. So we might just start conveying it, sharing it with one of the leaders, talking about, this is what God's speaking to me. It gets it out of our hearts and out first to to, to look at. Convey it. Secondly, pray it. God might just want you to just pray about something, might put somebody on your heart just to simply pray. And lastly, say it. Sometimes we just need to step out and begin to share what God has given us. And the last thing, he says, is strive to excel to be a blessing. So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church.